Good morning, everybody. I thought that instead of, instead of starting with a snappy story, I would just bring a mysterious bag, create suspense immediately. But you're going to have to wait and see. Stick with it. Don't fall asleep. Okay? Don't start your phones and start looking at what Olympics game is playing right now. No, 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 no. You've got to wait and see what's going to happen. We, you know, we preachers will do whatever it takes. Uh, we'll put lights behind screens. We'll do whatever it takes to get the attention. We are ending a sermon series. And this sermon series, the one that we're in right now is kind of part B. And that started six weeks ago. But we actually started the That'll Leave a Mark sermon series. We, we started that back in April. So I just want to kind of remind you what was, what was happening here. Um, this idiom, to leave a mark. So some of us, this is in, all in the spirit of the Olympics, some of us, you know, grew up overseas, or maybe we handle several languages, and we don't understand idioms, right? So there's this really lovely idiom in uh, Brazilian Portuguese that is, between a man and a wife, you never stick a spoon, Right? Idioms mean something, but you kind of have to have all the cultural contexts to understand an idiom. And so when we do a sermon series on that'll leave a mark, what, what we're really trying to say here is that it's going to la- have a lasting effect. It's going to be memorable. It's going to, in some way, form you or shape you. In the last six weeks, we have been looking specifically as to how God's character shapes us and leaves his mark on us. And I just want to remind you of the topics that we have been taking a look at. Variety of preachers. I hope you've enjoyed the variety. It's been really lovely for me personally. Uh, We started with uh, chesed, or loving kindness. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Throat clear. Hang on. Chesed. Oh, that's better. Okay, I practice. Uh, So loving kindness. How God's faithful kindness, his love, his loving kindness is, is so much a part of our relationship with the Lord, our experience with him, and that we then in turn need to live that out in our community as the church, as the body of Christ. We've looked at creativity, and we, we, we got a little lesson from the littles, right, who, who find themselves incredibly creative, and yet we older folks are a little bit more hesitant, perhaps, to say that we're creative. And so uh, we took a look at how God's creativity is manifest itself through us. And so he's leaving his mark on this world through our creativity, our God-given creativity. We've looked at immutability, how God never changes. And because of that, we can trust him. We can live in faithful relationship with him. And then, of course, we looked at the, uh, John took us to the greatness and power of God. Right and walked out hyped after that sermon. If you missed that sermon, go back and watch it. Um, Walked out hyped. The greatness and power of God, how he is so fully other, and he is so much more. And we sometimes kind of try to control him, put him in a box, but he busts out of all of that. Then we had a guest speaker from another church who talked about God is incredibly relational, and he wants to communicate with us live in relationship with us, foster our presence and his presence in our lives. 
And then last week we ended with a fantastic sermon on God's faithfulness. Different voices speaking about God's character, how his character has shaped us. So now what? Do we just let that be? Just kind of like mental ascent. That's cool. We just let it be. Uh, hint. No. We're supposed to always do something about it, right? So, so what? What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? If we've been marked by him, if, we've, if we somehow are put on this earth to do something about that, what are we supposed to do? What's our purpose then? So that's what I want to take a look at. And we're going to take a look specifically at three verses, but two words. And we're in Genesis 1. I have all scripture on the slides. Uh, It just makes it easier for all of us. But if you want to open your Bibles, we will be in Genesis 1. So let's get started. Genesis 1, 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The word I'm looking for here is the Hebrew word tselem. So we started our sermon series with chesed, and I thought it would be only fun to end with some new Hebrew words for you. The one after this is one of my favorites, so hang in there. So tselem. Tselem is the word that gets translated into English as the word image. But you need to know that there's a range of meaning for this word, and that is that it can be shade, shadow, resemblance, form, image, a likeness, or a reflection. It's a big range of meaning. I want to just think about what these mean for just a little bit. When I was a little girl, I remember this very clearly, and I did this quite a bit. I was sort of fascinated by shadows. I always was impressed with the people who could do the shadow puppets. Super impressed by that. I'm a simple girl, super impressed by shadow puppets. Um, But I also remember that family of five, I'm the middle, so I often found myself walking with my siblings and my parents kind of hemming us in, as wise parents do, on each side of us. We'd walk together, we'd go on these walks, and, um, and the sun would be beaming, and you would see your shadow, and you could tell each person in the family, right, who that shadow belonged to. And I, I always hated being short, that keeps coming up uh, in my sermons. Okay, um, so, so, I, so I would always try to, like, be a little bit ahead, right? So I was at least to the height of my older brother. And then my sister would notice, and like, hey, and then she would, you know, catch up. Um, and so, but you could tell, right, who each, per, who each member of the family was by simply looking at the shadows. And after a really unfortunate haircut, my shadow changed. And, and, and so I was walking once again with my family, and all of a sudden my brother just starts, I am your father. Apparently, I had a nice Darth Vader helmet shadow, and um, <clears throat> let's just say that that has left 
its mark on me and not in pleasant ways. But the shadow itself is not the person. The shadow itself just represents. And if you look at a shadow, have you ever looked at a shadow and you went, what, what, what is that? The shadow represents the original source. This is what this means. Being made in the image of God means that we represent the original source. We're not the original source. So for all of you with God complexes, knock it off, get some healing. This, this, means, this means we represent the original source. We point back to the original source. So if we've been marked by God, if his character has formed us, has marked us, what then are we to do with that? Well, if we're made in his image, we represent him as image bearers. So I don't know if you've ever thought this through. Everywhere you go, you take God with you. Isn't this just the worst strategy on the planet? Because the last time I cut someone off on I-25, I really hope they didn't think that was God. And yet, you guys, th- this, is, this is God's strategy. To bring his presence, to bring who he is, his faithfulness, his infinite creativity, his relationality, but he does it through us as his image bearers, collectively as the church and individually through our own individual uniqueness. You point people back to God in a way that is unique to you. So let's take a look at the second word. And this is now, we're jumping backwards, one verse. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So the word I want to look at right now is a word that makes us really uncomfortable, and that's the word rule. And that word in the Hebrew is radah. I like it. I like to say it, radah. So the word radah, to rule, to reign, um, it is, is, is a word that we often are uncomfortable. You're like, yeah, I was with you with the image bearing. Yep, I can more maybe work on bearing, you know, reflecting God a little bit better. But to rule Sutton, to rule, to rule, I don't like that. And the reason we don't like that is because we have really complicated feelings about authority. Maybe we had parents who did not rule well in the home. Maybe you have a boss who harms you through his or her rule in the workplace. Or maybe rulers of nations don't live up to all those pre-election promises. 
we have very, very complex, uncomfortable feelings about this idea of ruling. And so for us to be told, now rule, we're like, uh, uh, can we get to the multiply? I like that one better than the ruling. And hang in there with me, because I'm going to try to convert you just a little bit to why the word radah is great. But before we get to that, let's take a look at the range of meaning on radah, and you're going to be like, Ugh. still not convinced, Rebecca, to tread upon, to scrape out, to subdue, to rule over, to apply pressure. Still uncomfortable? Yeah. So let, let me contrast this for just a second. I want to give you some historical context. If you look at creation accounts from cultures that were parallel in the same general region, the Mesopotamian region, you look at the Egyptians and other cultures, ancient Near Eastern cultures, their creation accounts are very different than the Bible. Their creation accounts speak as human beings being created for slavery, for exploitation, to boss around, to tease, to bully. In other words, as a way to rule in a horrific way. And yet, in Scripture, we are made in his image, and then we are told to rule. We are given infinite respect, infinite dignity. Why? Because we represent and point back to God. But what kind of ruling are we being commanded to do? Or better yet, what kind of ruling are we being blessed to do? So let's take a look at the next verse in Genesis 28. God blessed them. He's looking at Adam and Eve, two human beings. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. We like that part. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule. Now look at what's happening here. Rule over the fish in the sea. And the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Did you see what I did there? We're being called to rule God's created order. Uh, no comment on ru ruling other human beings, so that's perplexing. But that's a different sermon. But to rule the creatures, to rule up, to rule down, to rule all around. Why? Why? What kind of ruling? For the purpose of bringing out the good. Notice that the blessing happens first. And out of that blessing, we rule. So it's not the rule of, but the rule of we're bringing up, spreading it around, 
reaching under. What kind of rule is this? What kind of rule are we supposed to do? So I thought I would bring an illustration. John did, and we're competitive, so here we go. Preaching team. So, oh, I don't want you to see. I don't want to give away the surprise. So I want to talk a little bit about grapes. Aren't they delicious? Have you ever done that when they, like, freeze and you've eaten them frozen? What a treat, right? Ooh. I think the Lord likes this. Grapes. They're delicious all by themselves. And cold grapes on a hot, sunny day in the middle of summer, or you're sitting by the pool and you're enjoying uh, cold grapes. Ah, what a treat. What a treat. God's little popsicles. Amazing. But you know, if you apply a little pressure and you put them through a process and you subdue them and you bring some organization to it and you rule them, you also bring a really good thing. I mean, great. Also great. Oh, I have my own wine for communion today. Okay. Great, great. Are you catching what I'm saying? We're called to rule to bring out goodness out of what's already good. With our creativity, with our effort, with our pressure, with our intelligence, with time, we are to make wine out of grapes, to bring something good and different out of something that's already good and of the Lord. So we're marked for a purpose, to bring out the good. So when I say radah, I mean to rule. What I mean, though, is let's make some wine out of our life's situations, out of the different places that God has already entrusted into your care. So I want to give some examples to spark your imagination. Okay? So if we could go to the next slide. I know that in this congregation, we have so many of you who are so talented, so creative, and you apply amazing pressure through paint, through clay, um, through woodworking, and you make amazing, amazing things. It's already good. And then you make something useful, beautiful, pleasing, entertaining, out of what's already good. You see, you're redying. You're doing a really good job of it. And I look forward to the next time we have, once again, one of our art shows, so that your talents can be shown. A garden. I'm growing cabbages for the first time, and I'm not failing at it, so I feel really good about myself this summer. I can't grow tomatoes. I need therapy about that. But I can't grow tomatoes, but my cabbages look amazing. Gardening. It's already good. The plants are already from the Lord. So why do we even bother? 
Why do we put these little boxes together and try our hardest to bring out the good of what's already good? There's something really blessed about gardening. And I don't know if you follow Laura Flanders' Instagram account, but you will have garden envy if you do. She's one of the members of our congregation. Some of you are master gardeners, and you're applying pressure. You are ruthlessly pulling out weeds. You are creating barriers against the squirrels and the birds, the birds in the air, right? Some of you have even put together koi ponds. Stop it. Make things reasonable for the rest of us. You're ruling the fish in your backyard. I think that's against nature. I don't know. Right? A garden, what an incredible example of redying. Some of you are like, Sutton, I'm not creative. I don't have a green thumb. But I'm amazing with Excel. (laughs) You're applying pressure. You're getting that data. You're manipulating that data. You're creating graphs. Some of you get so excited when you create graphs because you're able to do something with that data. Make informed decisions that will further the success of whatever it is that you're involved in. You're redying the crap out of Excel and you're amazing at it. That's fantastic. You see, where you already are The Lord is already doing good and leaving his mark through you, even, even through Excel. Let's take a look at one more. Sometimes we don't plan to do good. We don't plan to bring out the good in a bad situation. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to go. To step into the messy places where there is bad, and we are called to turn that around, to be God's image bearers and bring out the good. And maybe, maybe it's by helping someone with a flat tire. Maybe it's by helping someone who is, in, is ex- experiencing illness or limitation. Maybe it's someone who's just down on their luck. Life has chewed them up and spit them out, and they need a little bit of God's presence. And that presence is going to show up through you. Maybe because you can heal, because you're a doctor, a nurse, medical professional, by providing health, wellness. Maybe you're going to show up with a meal, literally using your hands to change a tire. So whatever the circumstances are, If we could be people who saw ourselves as being the ones who are representing God wherever we go, and therefore, whatever our circumstances, we are bringing out the good by applying ingenuity, pressure, intelligence, know-how, talent, resources. We are representing God. We are pointing back to God. So it's your move. It's your move, family. First question for you is where are you already present? 
So I'm not asking you to take a plane ride to go really far to try to live that out. I think that's sometimes the trap that we fall into. If God calls you to take a plane and go really far, go, because the rest of us don't want to. But where are you already? What are the areas, your spaces, where your influence is already present? God is already there because you're there. And then how in those spaces can you rule in a way that will bring out God's good? So because I'm a teacher, I have a worksheet. And if we were in my class, we, we, would, we would spend some time working on this. Who am I kidding? We've already done this in my classes. I definitely have done this before. Um, This font's a little small. Sorry about that. Um, But the heart, relationships, right? I want you just right now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to speak and guide and illuminate and and direct what are the areas where, where your presence needs to be experienced and felt and the good needs to be brought in those relationships relationships what's the good that's already there and and what's the good that you can bring about hobbies some of you love your hobbies i asked isaac what my hobbies was and he goes is reading a hobby i guess i'm a reader faith your areas of faith, your church family, your regular family, work, service. I went ahead and um, did my own, because not only am I a good teacher, I'm a good student. And I feel like if I'm going to put you through this, and for you to know, this is in the uh, notes that goes in the like weekly bulletin. Some of you print those out, but those are also online if you want to go back. I really encourage you to go through this exercise and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate and show some areas where maybe you, you, you were a little blind to. And my handwriting is terrible, so it's okay that's small font. So pray for my students starting next week. Okay. I was looking at, um, I was looking at different parts of my life and I looked at, for example, for relationships, and I thought, what's the good that I can bring into relationships with friends, with my students, um, with my extended family? And the first thing, you guys, the first thing that came to mind was eliminate shaming. Boom. That right there, I had to pause and take it to the Lord. So I started with a real negative, and I'm trying to bring out the good, but if we can do some of these things. And then I started with in, in, encourage with presence and thoughtfulness. So how, I can, how can I encourage those I'm in relationship with my presence and thoughtfulness? And that prompted me to write two note cards and send three texts. Action, Right? I'm ruling, I'm redying, right here. Bringing out the good. I'm redying. Small ways that do an immense amount of good. Work. 
influence my colleagues for their good. Okay, that's the middle child in me that really in my head went, manipulate the crap out of people for your own sake. Mm, middle child showing up. But I tried to put that, right, I'm redying, not, not ruling like a despot, but ruling as a blessing. So influence my colleagues for their good. In other words, what are the things that I can help them, their strengths that I can help them to be better at? With, with no fallback, no opportunity for me. So I hope this has inspired you because he's left his mark on you. Now go and bless others with his mark. This is not, you guys, a mental thing. This is not a philosophical thing. This is not existential moment with Sutton. This is practical practical because you take God everywhere you go he's left his mark on you leave his mark on others when the preaching team gets together I'll give you a little bit of an insider peek on preaching team some of you have participated in those meetings with the preaching team Um, And when the preaching team gets together, we spend a lot of time praying, oftentimes before we meet, fasting, deciding, discerning, listening to the Holy Spirit. What is the good? What is it that our congregation needs to hear? What What is specific to our family's needs? And what would be a sermon series, passages of scripture, that would help our congregation reflect God more clearly? Live out his call more effectively. How can we get Centennial Covenant Church to be the most incredible shadow of God And wherever that shadow touches, people are blessed. And so it's less about who's leading and what the sermon is. And it's so much more about who God is through us. So I encourage you to bear his image and to rada. And we will do this until the ultimate good ruler returns. So I'm going to call up the worship team, and I'm going to pray for us. But as we will be led into a time of worship and taking communion, where has the Holy Spirit been moving in you today over the last six weeks inviting you inviting you into leaving his mark on the areas of of influence that you have pray with me Lord Jesus what what we do on a Sunday morning 
is only worthwhile because you died and rose from the dead. And because you showed us that life is greater than death. And so as we prepare our hearts for this time of communion, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would remind us of Jesus, that you would speak to us, and that you would give us the strength, the courage, the desire to be your image bearers until you return and rule us forever. Amen.